Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. Obviously, I'm Jeff Pinkleton and excited to have another day, another interview with a new friend. It's always crazy how connections are made here in this world of podcasting. When I was out in Montana a while back, a guy who's become a friend and, and a guy I love talking to, Lynn from Colorado, told me about this guy. He goes, man, I just think you need to know who this guy is. And he's got a podcast and he started listing off things and he said, you need to know Mike Lynch. So I'm no dummy. If somebody who I like and respect tells me I need to know about someone, I'm like, okay. So flying back from Montana to Ohio, I said, well, I'm going to listen to a podcast with Mike Lynch and Jason Romano, who we've had on before and probably will have on again. And uh, I mean, I know Jason and had him on and we've gotten to know each other and been in person together. And I thought, okay, let's hopefully this Mike Lynch guy's pretty good. And probably halfway through the podcast, I'm like, all right, I want him on at some point. And we've built a connection and had a phone call and many other things. So today we have on pastor, leader, coach, former Division One baseball player, Lynch, I always want to say lunch, Lynch with a leader, which is clearly a play on words, the host of the great podcast, Mike Lynch. Welcome, Mike. Jeff, it is great to be on here, and I am so thankful Lynn made that connection. And it's such a random deal. I know Lynn from just being out in Denver doing some events, and we connected out there. But, uh, man, it's an honor to be on here. Love what you're doing. Mm. Love listening to a ton of your episodes already. And, uh, man, you're doing a, doing a good work, and I'm pumped to be on here. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. But it's, like I said, it was so funny in no time flat, uh, just knowing your heart and, and just kind of the spirit of who you are almost leaps out. And when, when Lynn told me, like, early on that his two favorite podcasts were mine and yours, I'm like, oh, I, I I don't know that I've earned that. How many of you listen to? Like, don't be saying that if you're listening to Mike on a regular basis and you've only listened to a few of mine. So um, what, what, is that, what is that like for you? Let's, let's, let's start there. When a guy like Lynn, who clearly, you know, played Division I college football, great guy, knows a lot of people, successful in his line of work, but out of nowhere, we'll say something like that and talk up what you do and what you provide on a you know regular basis for him. What, what is that like? You know, it's humbling. And, and because I think you're probably like me in a lot of ways, you did this because you wanted to make a difference and you wanted to expose people to people of faith that are making a difference in the world. It's humbling to know that God could use a crazy deal like this mm -hmm. to connect two lives that I would have never known Lynn otherwise. Mm -hmm. And and the cool part is really it's not me, it's the people that God's blessed to have on the on the podcast that we've been able to facilitate some good stuff out of their journey mm -hmm. that was an encouragement to him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you hold that loosely because I'm sure there's a lot of people I've never heard from that didn't enjoy it. So it's that it's that whole thing. God, thanks for using those stories to encourage Lynn. If that's what happened and that's the goal of it then that's the goal of it. What's been like the most wow or 
maybe even a goofy one. Like, what's been some a couple uh, emphasis of, of feedback you've gotten that you're like, wow, okay. You know, it's funny, man. Just the randomness. I was at a at a leadership FCA leadership event. I was meeting kids. So I was teaching student athletes all week, and I got done. And one of the kids walked up, and he's like, "I listened to all your your episodes." He's a high school kid, mm. and it caught me off guard totally caught because that's not our audience. So it totally caught me off guard. And then you'll have, you know, lady leaders and you'll have men leaders and you'll have all types. And it's just, it's crazy. And it's something we pray every time, Jeff, before we go on is that the Holy spirit would guide the conversation and he would get it where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's crazy to watch God do just that. Um, wacky, yeah, I really haven't had too many wacky, you know, catch you off guard things. It's it's been more the feedback I've gotten has been positive. When I get feedback on it, it's been positive. And it's just cool to watch how the Lord uses stuff that, you know, really would have just been a lunch. Me and you sitting together yeah. over lunch, getting to know each other now. Lots of people get to listen in. Yeah. It was, I had a wacky piece of feedback from a guy who's a good, great friend of mine who has really enjoyed the podcast. He said to me, he goes, this one guest you had on, Jeff, he goes, I had to speed him up because he likes to listen to things a little faster anyway. And he yeah. goes, but then as soon as he got to you, I had to slow it down. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I know how I talk. So, yeah, you probably had to slow me down and speed him up. There's no doubt about it. So, um, You know, it's funny, too. I'll I'll have people say, I didn't know this person you had on, but that's the one I enjoyed the most. Mm, yeah. You know, you had on some names that I would have assumed I would have liked, and that's what got me in it. But it was some random person in their journey that spoke to them. So it's funny. It's funny how all that works out. So we, we've talked a little bit off air as well, but about where ways we're probably similar. Who is maybe somebody you've had on that maybe initially you weren't as like maybe somebody told you to get this person or whatever the case was, and maybe you personally were not as excited about them or didn't know as much about them. By the time you were done, you were just like, wow, I'm really glad I had that person on. Man, there's been so many that have caught me off guard. You know, some you think you know what to expect, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, because I've heard them on your podcast or I've heard them on Kerry Newhoff's or John Gordon's or somebody, and you're like, okay, I've got a pretty good handle. But then you have those that just come out of nowhere. I tell you, I just released one this past week of a guy named Philip Haywood. He is the head football coach at a high school in Kentucky at uh, Belfry High School. He's been there for 48 years. So when I was having him on, I had a good friend that knew Coach Haywood. And so he connected us. So I was excited to have him. I really didn't know what to expect. And it was unbelievable. Just the passion and the love he has for his kids and student athletes blew me away. And it caught me off guard. It Mm. really caught me off guard how much I enjoyed my time with Coach Haywood. 48 years coaching high school football. I cannot imagine. imagine. No way. He's seen Mm. the game change a little bit over the years. Oh yeah, big time. And we talked about that. What's what what's different about kids now than 48 years ago, but what's still the same in his whole thing was everything's pretty much kids are still the same. The influences around kids are oh, very wow. different. No doubt. And so it was very interesting perspective on that. No doubt. Well, give us give us Mike your uh, 3-minute testimony. Yeah. God, I was blessed, Jeff, to grow up with a mom and dad who loved the Lord, took me to church 
without me really uh, requesting to be taken to church. So they they were very faithful to get us in church all the time. I guess at the age of 12, started going to a great church in our community, but I still didn't. It was still my mom and dad's faith. It was still, I was leaning and borrowing their faith. Hmm. When I was 14, we had a pretty major thing happen. The, the pastor of that church, his wife and child died in childbirth. And uh, and it rocked the community, rocked the community. And I remember going to her funeral service and they were talking about the hope of heaven and what was to come. And I remember sitting there going, I I don't have that. I don't have that personal relationship. I was 14 at the time. And on Easter Sunday of 1983, I walked down and gave my heart to Christ and changed my life, changed the whole trajectory of my life. I had mastered being a good kid, mm. mastered uh, being a pleaser, mastered having all the right answers, but I just didn't know. And it scares me because it would have been really easy to go on pretending. And I sort of had the pretending thing sort of mastered. Wow. Um, so I'm thankful, thankful that I was able to meet Christ and ask him into my heart at 14 because it, it definitely changed the trajectory of my life. You shared it with uh, Jason Romano when you were on the Sports Spectrum podcast. Talk a little bit about, you know, coming up, baseball, obviously being a passion and a love, and you ended up at Liberty and kind of, uh, I love your humility about that, about probably getting something maybe you didn't deserve. <laughs> yeah, it's not humility. It's it's fact, actually. <laughs> um, I was a spring of my senior year. I had not signed anywhere. And, of course, nowadays that's unheard of. Everybody's committed when they're, you know, just coming out of the womb, they get committed yeah, off to college. Not- but I was senior, planning on going to a junior college here in Atlanta and Liberty. My pastor, the guy that I just spoke about that had lost his wife and child, uh, my pastor, Ike, was speaking at Liberty and took a newspaper article on me in the Atlanta Journal and dropped it on Bobby Richardson, the coach at Liberty's desk. And I got a call out of the blue. Hey, we'd love to come see you. You know, this led to another, and I ended up committing and signing with Liberty. And, you know, looking back on it now, there is no doubt I was past probably where I should have been. There's no doubt that I was playing at a level, at a Division One level, that maybe I didn't, I wasn't ready for but God didn't take me there for baseball. He took me there for a lot bigger reasons. There, the game of baseball, I still loved, but I also began to see the platform that baseball can hold and what it can do in a person's life. And, you know, Bobby Richardson was a New York Yankee, a World Series MVP, multiple gold glove winner. I mean, he's a legend, a legend. And getting to be around him for three of those four seasons was just worth the price of gold to uh, watch how he lived out his faith and lived out his life. So it was it was a great experience, but definitely for me, you know, sports began to be and, and continue to be a big part of my life through college. I didn't know 30 years later it would still be a part, but it definitely, those channels were dug a little deeper during those years at Liberty. So scripture obviously uses in Philippians, I think particularly it talks about being an athlete and we use sports a lot as parallels to spiritual growth and training. And yeah, you know, there's great sports ministries like athletes in action, FCA, a whole lot of others. We also know we can make it a God and it can become something that's not intended to be navigate that a little bit through your life, maybe through 
theologically how you're growing, how you invest in people, and where have you utilized, particularly maybe in baseball, things that are part of a game that you can apply to your life through spiritual truths that have helped you grow in Christ? I think for so many of us, whether it's baseball or our job or um, the family we have, it whatever it is can become so important. That's how we identify ourselves. And so for me, baseball definitely became an identity and it became way more, way more important to me than it could have been or should have been. And when I look back on it now, I didn't know it till I lost it. Mm -hmm. And when I lost it, I saw how much I had depended on it and how much I wrapped myself. So my senior year coach went a different direction and needed to bring in some new players. It was a new coach. And so I remember a conversation with my pitching coach in the bullpen my senior year. And I said, so what's my role going to be this year? I mean, I've, I've got a lot of innings in. I've sort of been a team leader. I lead a Bible study, blah, blah, blah. What, what's my role? And, and I remember him sitting me down and going, Mike, you don't have a role. You're, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not going to have a role this season. And you're not going to pitch. So basically you have two options. One, turn over your uniform and let an, let another guy wear a uniform and you help me be a bullpen coach. Or two, you've got your scholarship. You can sit in the bullpen and just be a cancer all season, mm. but it's your your choice. You know, and in all our minds, we have Rudy moments. You know, I'm thinking the whole team's going to go lay their jerseys on the coach's desk and 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 pick it because I'm not playing. That didn't happen. <laughs> Team actually got a lot better. But uh, it was uh, when I lost the game, not by my choosing, I saw how it had gotten so out of order. And we say this all the time at North, at the church I pastor, never put your identity in something you can lose. Mm. And I could lose baseball, and I did lose baseball. And, uh, man, it was a free fall, free, free fall there for a little bit. But I look back, it needed to happen. Number one, number two, I'm a better person for it happening. And number three, God is still using what I learned in that lesson. So the crazy part is now working with athletes a lot, it's easy to remember where I was. And not to slam on them because their sport's gotten too important, but I understand how it gets there. I just it, hold it loosely. That's my challenge and lesson I learned from it. Hold it loosely. It's a blessing for this season, but hold it loosely. You know, I've, I've been spending a little bit of extra time with my 15-year-old son recently who's a pretty good athlete in basketball and soccer. And, man, I'm telling you what, we could drop it, this thing right now that line about never stick your identity in something you can lose. I mean, it speaks to me, but I've got that quote filed away to be sharing with Alex later. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Big time. So I want to get to something on your website. So this is kind of interesting. You're doing a little homework here uh, on, this is on the MikeLynch.com website. This is not North Star's website, but you say on here, I really like this. You said, I pastor North Star Church in Kennesaw, Ackworth, Georgia, without a doubt, the most serving, loving church I have ever seen. Okay, now, I want to be careful because you're not going to take this, but what I what I feel like I know of you, I don't think that's going to be a true statement without you and or your family. I don't know if I can answer that part, but I can answer that church is full of the greatest people I've ever met, 
and just servant-hearted, others-minded. You know, it's not about them. And I tell you what, man, for 25 years of my journey, I've gotten to walk alongside them. Have we had trouble troubles? Oh, gosh, yes. Has there been times they've disagreed with me or I've disagreed with them? Well, sure. But at the end of the day, they're always going to land on the side of others and making sure we remember it really is the day I got saved, man, I'm, I'm an insider. And it's so easy to forget it's about those that don't know yet. And that church for 25 years has kept that other's mindset. And when you keep that other's mindset, it just makes it a more attractive place to be for those that work there and those in a community that might attend there. So from the day you started there, at some point, you didn't see that and know that the day you started. At what point did you could you have made that statement to be true? Loving serving? I think, yeah, man. I, wait, I would say this. So it began with that in mind. So we, we said from the very first day, that pastor who lost his wife and child was my pastor. And then we started North Star together years later. And we said, when we started the church, we don't want to be a church that plants in a community. We, we want to be a church that came to reach a city. And so we began before the very first service serving, going out into the community. It's not about us. We don't have a building. We don't own anything. So everything we've got, we're borrowing. So it's not about us. Let's just go out where there's ours. I would even say within a year or two years. Now, that was a lot smaller sample size. But now, 25 years later, man, it it was, and I'll tell you how it came up. It just came up in a meeting yesterday. I was, you know, I still do. I still do weddings. And, um. I was say, I said, there are a certain group of people. There's no way I won't do a wedding for their child. If it's at all possible, unless something crazy is going on because of all they've done for me, my family and our church, the hardest part of that is that list is really long mm. because there are just so many incredible people that have been so good to me and my family and um, you could ask both of my kids and my wife, what was it like growing up in a church with a pastor and and the whole bit? And they would say, well, it was awesome. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's sort of a weird deal. Both of my kids are currently in full-time ministry, and a lot of that's not, not me. It's due to the environment of the way that people love them around that church. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if you guys have crossed paths. My guess is maybe you have. Jeff Henderson. I just, oh, gosh. Love Jeff Henderson. So I just heard him on a podcast the other day, and I think it was actually an older one. And he actually talked about that. He had his wife and his daughter there for the podcast. And his his, his son is on staff somewhere now, and his daughter was doing – Yeah, his the, daughter helps at a church in Birmingham. So she was just talking about what it was like and just like middle school getting thrown into stuff. And for me, who's – you know, I'm a leader at our church. I'm not on staff, but – obviously running a gathering, I want my kids to love ministry and not just you yeah. know, paid volunteer, whatever. And my oldest is on staff part-time at our church right now, but um, that, it just blew me away. So it's neat to hear you say about your kids, hearing Jeff Henderson's daughter talk about it directly. Man, what a t- I mean, I don't know what else you need. It's one thing for you to talk on your kids' behalf, but for them to talk about their love for the church, wow. 
Well, it's so funny. You know, we, we, I remember Ann and I, I was doing a conference this summer for some parents and, and I said, we had three prayers for our kids. I want them to love the Lord. I want them to love our family and I wanted them to love the church. And none of those are perfect except the Lord. The Lord's perfect, but I didn't want the church to hurt their love for the Lord or our family to hurt the love for the Lord. And I was talking to Dave Barnes on my podcast, and I know you've had Dave on as well. And I remember asking him about what it was like to grow up as a preacher's kid. And he gave me the line. I've used it a bazillion times. He said, my dad just lived a functional faith. Mm. It was the same faith he would have had as an accountant or a doctor. He just lived his faith. And that was our prayer. I had no words for it until I talked to Dave. We just wanted the same faith to be lived out in front of our kids. And um, man, we, we're just so blessed. We're so blessed. Wow. I'm curious, Mike, and, and I feel like with you, I'm going way off script on about everything, but yeah, it's, it's, it's what makes this a conversation more and it's something you're trying to put out there as a product. But what, what does discipleship look like for you right now in this moment and all that you're doing, you know, in your community, you're touching way beyond just the church. And did I hear you right? Are you not in a church building? Do you guys borrow still? No, no, we, we weren't at the beginning. No, we are now. Okay. Yeah. We you... built, uh, I guess we moved in our building three years after we started. Yep. So we have a campus now. I was gonna say, cause if people want to spend some time doing something fun, go to North star church's website and look at their staff list. Uh, you better have some time cause you're going to be there for a while. looking at your staff. You got a lot of people on staff, but yep. what have you learned or what are you doing right now in a discipleship way? As far as who's pouring into you and how you're being discipled, what does it look like on a more of a peer level and who you're doing things with? And what does it look like you really pouring into and discipling other people? Because that could be five weeks of life for most people rammed into one week. Yeah. So I would say the hardest of those are meeting with people who pour into me. I think I'm at that age of the journey. I'm 53. And, uh, you know, finding those people one-on-one that I meet with. So I have a pastor here in our community that they planted their church the same year we planted ours. Our kids are the same age. And man, he has been that, that alongside Mm -hmm. friend. He's that guy that we've run alongside each other for 25 years. Our kids are friends. Our wives are friends. He is at a great church in our community. So he's that peer-to-peer out in front of me. It's been a little harder because, number one, there's not as many guys that stick in it that long that are healthy. And so I've had to begin to call people. And so once or twice a year, I'll call a pastor who's been at their church for a long time and say, hey, can I come and just pick your brain? Can I come and just spend some time? What are lessons you've learned? Last year, I met with a guy named Keith Moore down at Dogwood in Peachtree City, Georgia. And um, Keith is just the kindest, nicest person. And then I met with a gentleman, Carlos Sibley, over at a church near Athens that's just killing it. But both of them have been there a long time. So it's been it's been more of a struggle to find those people out past me at this point behind me has been the easiest and it's the part that I love doing the most. So for me, I want to make a difference in that leadership space. So starting back in 2017, 2018, I put together a couple pockets of groups and they're spiritual leadership groups. And I meet with these groups once a month over breakfast or lunch. And it's five to seven leaders 
that I handpicked that, and I just ask him, how would you like, would you like to learn leadership? And these, and these are all people that are past me as leaders. Organizationally, they're probably past me. Mindset, they're probably past me. But the spiritual component, maybe I can help out in mm. with them a little bit. And they were personal ask. And most of them did not know each other. They knew of each other. They may or may not go to North Star. That's not a prerequisite. So I meet with them and we read a book together and we we sharpen iron on iron. We put we put people in a room to rub up against each other so we can make each other's faith stronger. And so that is something that began 2017, I think the fall of 17, beginning of 18, those all groups started going. And, um, you know, and I figured, Jeff, if I can have breakfast one-on-one, I can have it one-on-five. Yeah. And so it just works out great. And it fits my style. It fits us. And I leave every time I'm with those guys, I leave better. Yeah. I always leave better with something I didn't have in my toolbox before. Now, are you having start to finish times and dates with that, or is that going – Yep. No, they're, they're starting to finish. So most of them begin at 630. They're done at 730. And uh, those guys are hitting the road, heading wherever they're heading. And we go through a defined chapter of the book. So we all the groups started with Spiritual Leadership by Henry and Richard Blackaby, which mm-hmm. is just a classic. Sure. And um, it has been amazing. We've done that one. We've done Oswald Sanders' Spiritual Leadership. And then uh, most of the groups moved in from from that into Jenny Catron's Four Habits of Extraordinary Leaders. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, but it has been amazing to watch just these, these guys who are, they're already great leaders. They just may not have understood that God put them where he put them for a reason bigger than them. They didn't know that. They knew the Lord. They're all saved. They just had never... Sure. Brought together their career and their faith into a into a straight line. So that's where and how I'm spending my time. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna confess something I struggle with, and I think we're probably similar to this way this way. But maybe you can teach me how to be more gracious. I'm definitely a self feeder. I don't expect other people to give me what I should go find as far as my relationship with the Lord, growing as yep. a leader, growing in humility, growing in gentleness. Like I've got to make that happen. That's not my pastor's job. That's not a mentor's job. That's that's me to do that. And I like what you're saying about people you've pursued, pastor in Atlanta, pastor in Athens, you know, whatever that may be. Do you struggle with people who kind of sit still and are waiting for you or someone else to lead them and they're not moving or doing anything? And then it's easy to want to blame someone else if they don't get where they think they're supposed to get or grow in it, how they're supposed to grow. Now, granted, any and all those people could be people who ultimately move, but I can really struggle sometimes when people talk a bigger game than what they do. They don't let their yes be yes and no be no. And they overcommit and don't follow through. How does how do you deal with those type of people? Teach me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a it's a struggle, but it's part of especially pastoring. I can want where I want them all to go, but they've got to want it. It's like a coach. Mm-hmm. He can want, he can want for his players, but until they do it, they're never going to know the benefits of it. I, I remember something Zig Ziglar said years ago. He said, we don't pay the price. We just reap the benefits. We only pay the price when we don't do it. Mm-hmm. So for me, I look at folks like that and go, you're the one missing out, not me. Yeah. You know, we we create the platform, create the avenue, but you've got to do something with it, which is why I love all those groups because leaders 
they don't ever come unprepared, ever. Like those guys showing up to a meeting, they've always read. And I'm not having to teach them. I'm just guiding a discussion. And uh, But, yeah, it's frustrating because you see what they could be, sure. but there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tough knowing for me. I, the expression I like to use a lot is holy frustration. Maybe, yeah, that, maybe yeah. that's a way to give me grace that I'm okay where I am when feeling that. But, like, one, to take that holy frustration and say, you know, I got, A, I can't care more for you or about you or where you're going than you do. But one to say, okay, what does that look like? And how much do I speak into that? How much do I just say, let it go and hands off? It's on them, yada, yada, yada. It's probably the biggest struggle I deal yeah. with in spiritual formation with other people, especially if they feel yeah. remotely reluctant. I tell people one of the best ways you can learn who to really pour into is who are the people responding to you. Yeah, that's right. How do no, you, you're exactly right. Is that how you, what else do you do to discern who you should be investing your time in? Boy, I, man, I, Open doors, number one, I would just say that God opens a door in a relationship with somebody and willingness. And you just see this hunger. And I pray about it all the time. God, show me, show me the people I need to be pouring my time into. And yeah, there are times that I end up in a random conversation with somebody and you're like, all right. And, and I tell them, listen, I've prayed about this. God laid you on my heart. If you choose not to do it, I totally understand. I feel like I've been led to ask you, would you like to be a part of this? And we have a lot of other platforms that anybody can come to, but these specific small groups, I don't advertise them. I don't, they're not for sign up. They're not, Hey, if you want to be in a group with Mike, that doesn't exist. It is all person to person. So yeah, that's how we've done it. I think our style and the way we pursue things like that, that are invitation only or like retreats or, you know, I do some year long processes with people that are invitation only. I can't imagine someone who would tell you no and not follow through. I'm thinking if I'm one of these guys in, uh, you know, in North, where North Star Church is, Kennesaw area, like I'm saying yes and I'm blocking my calendar and I ain't missing. I mean, yeah. And that's the way they've all been. And I tell you, man, you get in there and you put, you put guys like that may not know each other. Like in my first group that I began, we have a superintendent of schools. We have a state at the time, state legislator, a district attorney, uh, assistant district attorney in our area, a um, small business owner. He's um, in the, in the motivational field. And uh, we had a university AD when the group started. None of them, they knew of each other. You put them in a room, it's combustible mm. and it's, it's energy. And man, these guys start rubbing up against each other and you leave there and we all, we all understand, okay, this isn't an accident. We're in this room. This isn't an accident. And, and we're praying about decisions others are making mm. that are affecting thousands of people. So it's a, it's a cool deal to watch. Two things you said there, Mike, that I think are really important. You said you said this just now and earlier about when people don't know each other, people who you think might know each other but don't. I find there's a lot of power in that. The other thing you said that I really like is you're spending that invite-only time with people who might be further down the road with you in a lot of areas, but you're bringing probably a spiritual element and a spiritual leadership yep. further down the road that they don't have. And I think for people who hear this – because it really resonates with me, I think Satan will keep us from thinking we don't have anything to offer. And if it's spiritual, that's not enough to mount up against everything they bring to the table. But it is enough because what you're bringing 
is really what yeah. they're lacking, they need, they want. And they're never going to – a lot of times those guys won't go find it for themselves. But you being willing to do it tends to be a pretty easy yes. And I hope people that hear this understand yes. – you, wherever you, if you've got spiritual maturity, you have everything to offer people. I, I totally agree, Jeff. And I wanted them to say no when I started it because I was intimidated. Mm. I felt like God had laid it on my heart, but I'm like, what do I had to? What do I? What do I have to add value to these guys? They're already leading more people than I lead. They're they're better in their industry than I am, but. God has equipped me in an area that he hasn't equipped them and they're going to lean in on that, which is challenging to me. So it makes me want to grow more because they're leaning into it. Mm. See, you're, you're uh, satisfying for me. One of the things I say often that if, if someone were to ask me, what's the number one thing I've learned in 15 years of doing men's ministry, I'm, I've said numerous times, it's that men are overall are not very self-aware. One of the things I appreciate That's about correct. you is you, it's clear you are very self-aware to the nth degree. Now, I'm going to have to transition real quick because the bottom eight or so questions I've got, we're not going to get to. But we've got to get to the rapid yep. five because the rapid five are always important. <laughs> and if you have listened to me before, I'm taking it. You've really studied this, and you've got great answers. So let's fire away here, Mike Lynch. This is Lynch with a pink, not Lynch with a leader here. But um, what is your favorite childhood snack or cereal? Payday. Payday candy bar. Ooh, Can't chocolate or plain? Oh, with nuts, man. Yeah, but there was the chocolate version that came on years later. No, 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 plain. No, 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 no chocolate, plain. I got to tell Old you, school. I just found a chocolate payday probably over the summer somewhere. I couldn't believe it. I was so excited because when that, that thing was going on for a while and it was kind of popular, it didn't last real long. I love a chocolate payday. You've mentioned several books there earlier. What is your favorite book you most like to gift to other people? You know, I would say two of them, Jeff, were written in the past year, Eight Paradigms of Leadership by Tim Elmore. It's, it will go down as a classic. And then Smart Choices by Mark Miller. Both, mm. both of those resonate with any person in any industry. And I would say the third one is Lead for God's Sakes oh, yeah. Todd by Todd Gongor. Todd Gongor. Man, yeah, just you, those are universal books that apply to everybody. So Todd came and spoke at a gathering breakfast for us probably seven or eight years ago. People still talk about the impact of that book on their lives. It's it's unbelievable to think about how he came and what that book meant to numerous people. That's good. I, I knew you'd have a great answer there. So family vacationing, you're doing your thing. Maybe you're so relational, you might be with some other people. You're hitting the road. You're leaving Georgia. Maybe you come up towards Ohio and you get to that point where someone's got to go to the bathroom. It wasn't expected. You pull over and you say, well, we got to stop now. We're not driving 15 more minutes. We're stopping now. And you see, let's pretend it's all three there, Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, In-N-Out Burger. Where do you guys go? Christian chicken, man. Chick-fil-A <laughs> all day. Got to fund. I got to fund my Atlanta friends. Got to fund them. Clean bathrooms, great food, great service. Can't beat it. And some of them still have like the mouthwash in the bathrooms, which blows my mind if they do that in this day. It's and glorious. Yeah. Fresh flowers. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, I was hoping you would say In and Out Burger, just because, I mean, of course, you're not used to it because you don't have it down there. But yeah, I didn't think there was any doubt you were going away from Chick fil A on that one. So, Mike, we're going old school. We're flipping channels. There's no streaming. And you stumble across the movie that gets you every time. What movie is that? Hmm. It could be A Few Good Men. It could be Shawshank Redemption, Remember the Titans, Field of Dreams, any of those. I'm stuck. I can't go past them. I'm going to stop, and it'll be like the first time I ever watched it. So do you tend to like sports movies? 
Yeah, I do. Good ones. Yeah, good ones. I love good ones. See, I, but, re- I really struggle because I think so many sports movies, they take too many liberties. Like the one movie a number of years ago with um, Josh. He was in Sweet Home Alabama. Josh. And it was the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The basketball. Yeah. They did the to, basketball. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kentucky and Texas El Paso or whatever. And guys were dunking. And that was clearly before the Lou Alcindor rule. And I'm like, come on. You can't, you weren't dunking back then. Yeah. Yeah, I do. The the ones that are done well are really, really good. And then there's some bad ones. Yeah. So remember, the, the good ones, I love them. Remember the Titans. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I actually oh. just saw, I'm a big basketball fan, and I had friends for years give me grief that they couldn't believe I had never seen Hoosiers. And I watched it probably three or four years ago, but it was so dated. I had trouble getting into it. But my youngest son, who's a basketball player, he played in their gym last year. So that was kind of neat to go oh, there. They got to play in the gym awesome. for a game. That's and, cool. Yeah. So that is very cool. What Mike is your favorite dad joke? I need a good dad joke from you. So I don't, you know, I don't have a lot of good dad jokes. I had to look one up. This this was this one worked. I asked my dog two minus two, and he said nothing. <laughs> so I'll roll with that one, man. That was solid. That's so, solid. I don't roll a lot of dad jokes out, but I'll roll with that one. That was good. So here's a great one I stumbled across the other day, and it was I'm, I'm starting to get into the dad joke thing every now and then and look them up and post a few on social media or whatever. The one I saw the other day was, did you hear about the new book coming out, or did you hear about the new book about constipation? No. It's not out yet. Oh, <laughs> that's good. Okay, my, my, good. my kids, if they ever listen to this, which they probably won't, but they'll be like, Dad, sir, you got to quit doing that. It's just yeah, Dad. It's 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 enough, man. That's enough. Well, we're saving all these other questions for another round because I got too many, and I'm not going to try to go through this really quick. And we landed, you know, you and I both feel the same way about this medium called podcasting. Let's go where Holy Spirit leads, and I think we went where Holy Spirit wanted us to lead. Amen. Where all can people find you? I know there's a couple easy ways. Let let people who listen to this know where to find Mike Lynch. So MikeLynch.com, L-I-N-C-H, um, that you referenced earlier, NorthStarChurch.org is our church website. And then you can find the uh, podcast on any podcast platform, Lynch with a Leader, L-I-N-C-H, Lynch with a Leader. So yeah, man, easy, easy, easy on Twitter, Instagram, Mike Lynch. And uh, yeah, pretty much live on there like everybody else does. So it's good. Well, as you said about people you've been around, when you're, you're done being around them, you know you're better. I know I'm better. We're not face-to-face. I look forward to that day when we're together. But, uh, Mike, you're a huge blessing. I pray much fruit, many blessings in your life. Praising God right now for Lynn Schurler to make that connection for us. And I think there'll be more to come because I've got, like I said, I think it's eight or nine questions that we did not get through. Let's do it again, baby. Just let me know. All right. Have a great day, Mike. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at GatheringMiamiValley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.